Welcome to the Fairway Founders Podcast, your insider look into the business of golf. Jamie and Steven, I want to welcome you to the podcast. I'm excited to have you guys here today. Um, I just want to jump in and a little bit about, about your background um, and kind of how you found yourself at Flash AI. Uh, Jamie, we could start with you. All right. So I'll take it back a few years, back into the mid-90s. I, I work for a private aircraft company called NetJets at the time. I was the chief meteorologist and kind of dabbled or wore, we'll say, an assortment of hats for them. And NetJets had asked me to go on a recruiting mission to hire two dispatchers, not meteorologists, but two dispatchers. So I went to a school in um, Central Florida called Embry-Riddle. And while I was at Embry-Riddle, the administration there said they knew of an individual that was attending the Florida Institute of Technology. His name was Jason Deese. And they said, you should really go talk to Jason. He, he's an individual that we we've, uh, speak highly about. We understand he's doing extremely well in the meteorology program. And I said, well, since I'm here, I probably should go visit him. Um, but unfortunately, I just did not have the bandwidth to hire him at the time. So I thought, well, proximity-wise, it's, it's worth a visit. So I drive down to the Florida Institute of Technology. I meet with Jason, and this is one of those situations that you run into where in the first five minutes of meeting somebody, you knew that you had to interact with them in the future in some way, shape, or form. He was that good. He was basically a career student um, doing extremely well in the program and somebody that was going places. So I had to tell him at that time I couldn't hire him, but I get back to Columbus to NetJets and I kind of I beg, I plead, I borrow, I negotiate, but I'm able to hire somebody without having a, a true position available. So I hired on Jason Deese, the founder and CEO of Flash. Um, and I kind of remind him all the time that I am the individual that truly taught him how to forecast. So um, he, uh, he, he, like I said, he, he was a very sharp individual. He was a go-getter. He brought to the table something that we did not have was... Uh, uh, somebody a little bit younger, right out of school, learning kind of new forecast technique, et cetera. And we were able to build upon that. We were able to, you know, mold him into a excellent meteorologist. Now, unfortunately, in about, I think it was the year 2000, um, he and his wife were a little bit homesick, wanted to get back to Florida, closer to family. And he uh, did take a job with the National Weather Service near the Cape. So that was his first duty station with the National Weather Service was right near the Cape. So he worked with NASA, a couple other government agencies, et cetera. And over the years, Jason and I had maintained contact. And one thing that he had done was he, he was immersed in aviation with the experience I gave him at NetJets. And he, he became the kind of the Southeastern aviation expert for the National Weather Service, which that's pretty big. So he had developed his skills over the years. He had um, supported other government agencies, students, a little bit, everybody. 
And you could say he, he excelled as a research meteorologist. So he and I, we would talk frequently over the years. Um, he, he, his wife had family in Cleveland, Ohio. So if they were traveling to Cleveland, they would stop in at Columbus, we'd play a little golf, we would talk a little shop, nothing along the lines of, hey, I can um, predict lightning. That, that didn't happen until a little bit later, but vice versa. If I were taking a trip down to Florida or somewhere in that region, I would stop and see him, we'd play a little golf, and we would you know, reminisce about old times at NetJets and talk about new things he'd learned at the National Weather Service. So it was uh, about 2017 that he really got into trying to predict lightning. Just so you know, there is no one in the world that can truly predict lightning. That's either the first strike or the last strike. So as a meteorologist, when you hear that, it doesn't make sense. It's like, wait a minute. I know the atmosphere. I know how dynamics work. How in the heck are you able to predict lightning? So Jason started working on it with another gentleman at the National Weather Service, and they actually found something. And it was kind of a result of what happened in 2016 with the Freedom of Information Act, which allowed all this data that the, the government, NOAA, National Weather Service, everybody had but wasn't sharing it with the general public. So this data was out there. Freedom of Information Act kicks in. So now all this data is available for anyone to utilize. And that's where Jason started picking apart the data, saying, hey, if I take this piece of data, this piece of data, and this, and I align them all, there's a correlation of lightning development within the dynamics of the atmosphere. So... Trial and error, I, I think in total, he started out, he, he did about maybe 2,000 trials before he found something. He found basically a primer that actually worked. So at this point, um, he's thinking bigger and better. And we hadn't talked, shoot, Jason and I hadn't talked at that point, maybe for about a year. So like I said before, when you hear from a meteorologist that you can predict lightning, it doesn't sound real. It sounds crazy. Kind of like what I presented to Steve when I contacted him. And I'll get into that here in a second. So Jason proceeds to tell me this. And almost immediately, because now Jason's been with the National Weather Service 20 years, so he has a great career with him. And he's progressed over the years. I believe he, when he left the National Weather Service, he left as a GS-12, soon to be a 13. And what's interesting is when you make a claim such as this, um, you're not really viewed in a professional manner sometimes because it sounds unreal. Who can predict lightning? I mean, it, it's, it's impossible. It's like but now, uh, trying uh, to pick the lottery, the lottery numbers yeah, of the mega millions. It, pretty much. You got it. That's it. You got it. Yeah. So he tells me this and I tell him, Jason, you're going to ruin your career. I know you have a great career going, but you, you can't make these claims. And he said, no, I'm, I'm telling you, I can do this. And I said, oh, OK, so not that I believed him, but he said, I'll tell you what, I want you to be a part of this. I will come up to Columbus, Ohio, and I'll show you the algorithm. 
And I said, well, you've already told me about it. And yeah, I get it, but I don't get it. So what did he do? He proved me wrong. He hopped on a plane exactly five days after we talked, flew up to Columbus and he shows me. And I tell you what, you know, you have those moments where something just makes complete sense. It did at this point. He showed me the process of the inputs of information. He showed me the algorithm and he showed me the reasoning that was running everything. And it made sense. And I'm thinking, wow, lightning is predictable. He just cracked the code. Um, so at that point, we, I, I felt we had something big. And I said, Jason, I absolutely want to be part of this. I said, I'm not really going to retire from NetJets until maybe mid, you know, 2024, 2026, something like that. And I said, this is now to the point where I feel like I want to retire immediately. And he said, yeah, that's what I want you to do. He said, I want to leave the National Weather Service. I need you to leave NetJets early and we need to make a business out of this. And I said, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. So in the beginning, keep in mind, we had basically we call it proof of concept. So we had a very, very, very basic program to show that lightning was predictable. And at times we'll say running this code or lines of script, it could take a minute and a half. It could take 20 minutes. And it was only for one latitude longitude. But we knew that the data was there and we had the, you know, the raw data and the output was giving us 15 to 25 minutes of lightning prediction. So no one, again, no one in the world can do this. So keep that in mind. So we, we knew we had to raise funds. And uh, have you heard of Start Engine? Yeah, so I've heard of them, you know, prior to okay. you guys being on there. But yeah, familiar with them. Okay, excellent. So basically, we, we decided to do crowdfunding instead of going with like a venture capitalist yeah. or even attempting doing a loan as a startup, which is a, a challenge. So unless you have angel funding or you have somebody right. that wants to really do something good, so, do some good in the world. Right. So at this point, is it all pretty much bootstrapped by, by Jason at this point or? Yeah, and myself. And yourself. So, so this is the point where we knew he had to leave the National Weather Service. I had to leave NetJets and we had to hire some, we'll say, more qualified IT folks that could truly write code in the proper way. Yeah. So we, we did the crowdfunding with StartEngine, raised, I think it was 1.2 million. So we raised a pretty good amount. We did it in less than six weeks, which was amazing. Um, and we started looking for individuals that we could hire. So Jason left National Weather Service, and this started about February 2021, I believe. He left National Weather Service. We, I left NetJets. We hired a developer to truly write code for us, and we were off to the races. So initially, like I said, we had a product that um, was, was more proof of concept where we could predict lightning 15 to 25 minutes out just for one location, one latitude, longitude, and that was it. 
So the developer within three months time, he had mapped out the entire United States. So he had every single latitude longitude point in the United States. He, instead of us having to wait that, you know, minute and a half to sometimes 20 minutes of processing, he had gotten that down to 500 milliseconds. So basically we were, we were kind of a horse and buggy type of operation with a proof of concept to a Ferrari. So we, we jumped by leaps and bounds. And then over time that allowed us to look at the algorithm a bit closer and refine it even more so than what it was. And that, what that did for us, that pushed our prediction time out uh, probably 10 to 15 minutes beyond that. But the biggest development came, I'll say, when we found an individual that was working on his graduate degree at Penn State. So Dylan Steinkruger is his name. And what he was doing, he was working in the field of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and that went into deep learning. Mm -hmm. And he was doing uh, his um, project was he was looking at tornadic watches and warnings. So he was running his own watches and warnings compared to the National Weather Service issued watches and warnings using AI and machine learning. So what he was doing was a, a bit different with the AI and machine learning than what you hear all the time that's published right now, whether it be on the news or articles or you see uh, like a special interest story. His is a bit different. And the accuracy of what he's doing um, really was amazing. But the best part of what he was doing is he was beating the National Weather Service routinely by three minutes and sometimes even more than that. Now, there is a fault with the National Weather Service in terms of issuing for a advi tornadic advisory or a tornado warning. And Jason put it this way. He said, as a human being, as a National Weather Service meteorologist, I could physically only watch about six storms. So uh, in Jason's area of where he worked for the National Weather Service, the last location was Atlanta. And I think there's 80, I don't know, 80 to 90 counties that mm -hmm. um, he was responsible for. And he said, yeah, as a meteorologist, I could only watch about six of the storms. So I had to pick and choose, in a sense, which ones I had to pay attention to. Now, if they knew the weather was worse, they would try to get help to come in. But you think about that. One individual can only watch about six storms. I hate to say it, but when you have a severe outbreak, you have multiple levels of storm activity out there. And it's tough for one person to monitor, let alone two, three, four. So getting back to Dylan, what Dylan had done was he basically mapped the entire United States. And it doesn't matter if it's just six storms, 60, 6,000, 600,000, 600 million, 6 billion. He can map. It doesn't all matter. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, it takes matter. that human factor totally out of the mix. So we are like crazy excited to, um, you know, share to the world with our product of the lightning prediction. But we have this AI machine learning type of engine that now has increased our lightning prediction. I, 
I didn't tell you this. We're out to an hour now. That's our sweet spot is about an hour. But with AI machine learning, we're out to six hours. So think about that. You could have a clear blue sky like I'm looking out the window today and we could be predicting lightning activity, you know, almost pinpoint your area down to the minute of when it's going to happen. That's incredible. Tell, tell, to tell me. them about the distance on your rerun. Was it 200 yards? Well, I'll tell you what, whenever I have folks, I, I live now in South Carolina, just outside of Hilton Head, and I love to run my software on my laptop and take people physically outside. Is um, The way I look at it now is I, I, seeing is believing. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll know there's an approaching storm. I will look at it. I'll get an alert. It'll tell me, hey, 58 minutes from right now, you will have activity in the area. I'll get another alert in half an hour. I'm not going to take it and, and, and keep this in mind. I'm not going to take anybody outside if it is unsafe. But if it's safe, absolutely. Seeing is believing. So we had friends in that were in in December. We had storms move in and we got down to 15 minutes before the actual activity was going to take place. And I said, hey, in five minutes, we're going to go outside. So we were outside and we waited. And within one minute of the actual strike from an hour out, and I told him where to look, it, it occurred. And it was probably within a couple hundred yards of where that strike said it was going to be, which is amazing. Wow. So, I mean, that um, just really another, shows the pinpoint accuracy right there. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> you, don't even need a, you don't even need an investor deck. You say, hey, come to South Carolina. I have my laptop. I'll show I will you show you. About. Absolutely. <laughs> come to Michigan. I can do the same thing. <laughs> exactly. So, so well, I, I have another question for you. So, yes. So, who else is doing this? I mean, this seems, Nobody. I, don't, I don't know anything about weather, but like, this seems like, you know, it's, your guys are really blowing me out of the water here because it seems like pretty well, cutting edge technology. I would Let think me people would be this. all over this. So there are folks that say they have prediction. But again, we are first strike and we're last strike prediction. And I'll explain the last strike. The, the first strike is extremely important. The last strike is the moneymaker for what we do. So a lot of folks out there claim that they have lightning prediction. They either say it's static based or it's just armchair forecasting like I'm looking out my window and it looks like it's about 10 miles away. It'll be here in approximately eight to 10 minutes. So that's what they're doing. They're, they're basing something that has already happened and they're just moving it along. And to me, as a meteorologist, I don't know if I would call that prediction or not because it's already happened. Now, prediction with us is it hasn't happened yet. It's still in that formation stage within the atmosphere and we, we know when it gets to a certain level, that's when the, the primer takes place. And we know that the connectivity between the cloud and the ground or ground and the cloud will take place with the lightning. So that's the separator. No one in the world can do it. The National Weather Service has thunderstorm models that say that it is lightning prediction. But their lightning prediction is if you look at an area... Uh, a large area, you you kind of know that thunderstorm formations going to be there, hence lightning. So their bullseye area is like the state of 
North Carolina and South Carolina saying, yes, we're going to have lightning in here in the next six hours. Everybody can do that. That's not lightning prediction. This is almost pinpoint to the exact area where the lightning will be and when it will be. And like I said, our sweet spot is an hour out right now, but we are working on six hours. So that's the separator. Right. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable to me. That's, that's awesome to hear. Um, I want to get Steven, Steven, a, a chance here. So, so how does Steven come into the picture? And then from there, we'll dive into uh, how this could really help out, you know, the golfing community as a whole. Do you, do you want me to do it or, or do you hey, want to take it? No, go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. Okay. So my background is uh, IT and I was also the last station chief at Fort Smith Air Force Base where I had the pleasure of training and supervising Jamie right out of weather forecasting school out of Chanute Air Force Base. Uh, he was a unique individual. Uh, he didn't spend much time observing weather. We put him right on the counter. He was that sharp. Uh, anyways, fast forward. Uh, I've always been in, into meteorology because the, as Jamie can tell you, it's a very intense six month course. They run you right through a meat grinder with the amount of information and training that they throw you in that six months. So I look at it as knowledge. I don't want to lose it. I continue to use it. I've used it since I left the military back in 92. Well, air weather service, and in 92. So I keep up with it, do it as a hobby. So anyways, back in, in uh, July, Jimmy gives me a call. I've been trying to get in touch with him. I was working for the small company here in Farmington Hills doing uh, internet of internet, industrial internet of things 4.0, which is using machine learning AI. And he says, Hey, I, I just came across your number. I want to get try to get in touch with you. Tell you tell you what I'm doing. He says, "Yeah, I've been trying to get a hold of you." The guy that was running our IT, he left and went to NetJets. And then he went and says, "Are you sitting down?" He says, "Yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you got?" He says, "You'll never believe this, but uh, I'm, I've partnered up with another guy, and we can predict predict lightning." And I got to thinking about it, and it's like, no way. And then I, I thought a little bit more. I says, it could be done because you're using AI, because you're you're using all that data and using, and, and I, I, my hat's off to Jason, because yeah. what he's accomplished, you'd usually have to get a data scientist to, to accomplish. It, it, the amount of data that's being thrown into this data pool is astronomical. So anyways... We got to talking. I, I've introduced Jamie to several people, which spun off into different directions. Uh, but anyways, as since July, I've been using the product. And matter of fact, uh, Jamie and I were going through and reviewing how to use a product when the Gaylord tornado took touchdown. And it was just massive red area. Neither one of us had known that a tornado hit it actually hit 15 minutes before we started looking at it so that led me to to look at it a little bit closer as as i the summer evolved and i noticed there was a correlation between the lightning forecasting ability and severe weather phenomena that took place such as large hail wind and i even had an unconfirmed tornado 
in Southeast Michigan. So this tool is very powerful and it's, and I can see it's spawning into different uh, offerings. I mean, lightning is, is, is the tip of the iceberg. And I'm, if you can do lightning, you can do anything with the amount of data that's out there. Right. So I guess I I think we might've lost Jamie. I don't see him on the, uh, on the recording here, but so I wanted to dive in. So like you said, um, you know, this really kind of enhances, you know, different product offerings on the start engine site. I see that you guys, you know, have a case study or use case at the Columbus country club in Columbus, Ohio. Um, so I guess how did that come to be and, and what's going on over there? Unfortunately, you have to wait to vote for Jamie to get back with us on that. But okay, as we're, we're, we're waiting for him to come back, uh, just to kind of touch base on what we used to do in the weather station, we had our own weather radar. It was it actually had still had vacuum tubes and integrated circuitry. Anyways, we would take and uh, analyze upper level sounding, which was upstream from us, which is properly known as a skew T, and we'd find out where the tropopause was. So as thunderstorms would move through and they'd reach the tropopause level, then we would put out an advisory, lightning within 10, within 5, within 3, within 2, because our our IT folks on base needed to know when to shut down the, the computers, they needed to know when to take people out of the swimming pool, and so on and so forth. That was about as close as we could get as far as forecasting lightning at the time. Mm-hmm. So this is coming light years ahead of what we used to do in the weather station. So, yeah. So, so are you getting, you know, inquiries from the national weather service and are they trying to figure out what you guys are doing or like, I, I know that, that Jason and, and Jamie are working uh, with trying to build a relationship yeah. And I think uh, they're they're also talking to the Air Force and uh, I think at NASA, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they've also talked to the general in charge of Space Force because they're talking about doing vertical and horizontal launch of satellites out of Michigan. Wow. Uh, so they're, they're, there's a lot of moving parts and there's only two of them. I'm just kind of trying to help do the marketing, try to do some sales, get the word out. This yeah. is this is uh, going to be an absolute game changer. This is actually a, disrupt, a disruptive technology uh, for meteorology. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, the way what you guys are saying, I mean, you, I, I want to invest. So I'm going to look into that. We're going to follow up after this call because this is um, this is really. Um, this is, really this is a game changer. Yeah, I mean this that's what it sounds game like. Changer. So I mean, so what are you doing in in your in terms of getting the word out? I mean, what's kind of on your plate now? Um, what do you? My think? plate is I'm doing a lot of posting on social media. I'm doing. I did a probably a handful of YouTube uh, as we had art breaks here in Southeast yeah. Michigan when I was at home. Um, doing some uh, YouTube postings. I'm actually going to do a compare and contrast as. Uh, Jamie talked about uh, National Weather Service. They got this huge area. Guess what? With Flash AI, AI you've got uh, the you have a personal weather forecasting tool right in your back pocket yeah. for right where you're at today. 
Right. You can't get that. You can't get that accuracy with National Weather Service or NOAA or even your local TV stations. And then local TV stations have the same tools or at least the same data uh, that Jamie and Jason are using, but not to the uh, the nth degree that there's still a, a human part of their forecasting. And a lot of them, they, they use a lot of those models that you see, oh, here, here's future cast. That's mm-hmm. actually a model where it does a, a interpretation of what the weather systems are doing. It creates a, uh, a mock radar return. Yeah. And most of the time, those folks don't, even though they're, they're certified, they usually don't take and veer off the path of, of those models because they don't have the, the expertise that, that Jamie and I and, and Jason have had in the past is that we were down in the ditch grunt work, weather forecasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally understand that. I mean, that's often what I use. I use the Weather Channel app and I look at the radar you know, future 24 hours to see when it's going to rain. And that determines if I'm going to play on the golf course or not. So um, it's pretty crazy. You can really detect, I mean, obviously lightning is a huge uh, deterrent from being outside and playing on a golf course, holding a, you know, a metal, a metal Absolutely. club. So, I mean, it's good that, you know, there's services like yours out there that, that this seems like it'll really help out clubs a lot in just terms of preparing and, you know, scheduling different events and, and whatnot, and just making sure the safety of their members is, is at the, is at the fore, forefront of their, of their uh, operation. So that's, that's huge. And then the other thing that uh, Jamie and I talked about, I mean, if a, a golf club, we can save them money uh, on watering. If they know when rain is coming in, they don't have to pump water. Mm-hmm. They just let, let it, uh, nature take its course. There's, there's, the, the opportunities are absolutely endless with Flash AI. So for, you know, if I was a, you know, an operator of a, of a country club or, or golf club or whatnot, is there any hardware that I would need to install? Nope. Um, nope. On now, the property? That, that being said, if you want to have hardware installed that will dissipate the lightning, we, we, we have partnered with a company that makes a, a device that's good for 10 acres. And if mm-hmm. you need, if your area is larger than 10 acres and 10 acres is what the, the largest area they've tested in because of the, the building that they're in. So this, this device, it's based on uh, Tesla's uh, engineering. It will actually dissipate static electricity in the air. And that'll it. deter okay. light to, that, and to, that that'll deter lightning strikes from, yep, from uh, that area. That sounds almost futuristic. <laughs> and that's the only hardware. Everything else is is cell phone. Yeah. Or if you want a display that you can show in the clubhouse, you know, hey, here's the lightning, uh, so on and so forth. And if you've got a large uh, severe weather outbreak, the clubhouse can say, oh, well, I've, I've got all these folks with tea times. I can give them a call and say, you know, don't come in. We'll, we'll get you rescheduled. It, it's, it's, a, it's a money saver for the golf course. And it's a time saver for the folks that are they're planning to go out and, and play the links. Yeah, definitely. And then I'm also thinking too, because you know, when sometimes when I look on, you know, I'm playing golf in the summer. Looks like a you know a summer rainstorm is coming. You know, I won't go out and play. And then you know, let's say it's going to happen at four o'clock. Four o'clock hits and it's still sunny and there's no rain. 
and it turns out when I'm looking at, you know, the Weather Channel radar app, um, it's, it was wrong. So I could have really gone out there and played. So I think what you guys have could almost, you know, if I'm cognizant of a club that has your technology and they're saying on their website, um, you know, we're still open, you know, don't worry about the weather, you know, because of this technology they have, you know, that that's also making them money as well. Because normally somebody might skip out, they'll show up and play. Exactly. And if we can say, hey, we have a six hour window, we can guarantee you that you're, you're, this this is your, your window of opportunity. There's You're free from any severe thunderstorms or maybe there, you can see something coming in in five hours. There's no radar returns, but because of the atmospheric properties, the data that's being collected, there's a possibility that there is a, a very strong possibility. From what I've seen, you will have lightning strikes in the area. It, it is an amazing tool. If I haven't used it and evaluated it, I would never believe it. Right. But it works. It's a solid, solid uh, offering. So in, in terms, I guess, of, of talent, you know, people that find out what you're doing, are you guys getting a lot of, you know, inbound calls or emails, you know, if people wanted to hop on board with you guys and, and help you build this out further? We've had some some uh, folks uh, reach out. Uh, I've actually had through LinkedIn, uh, dis- mm, excuse me, Disney yeah. reached out uh, and I think they're doing some evaluation, I think. Nice. Uh, Jamie can... Uh, tell you about that uh if he gets back on um i'm trying to think what else there was a company in india uh reached out to me uh almost right in the very beginning when i started taking and and making a lot of posts uh but they kind of got kind of shaky and fell off the radar Mm -hmm. because they wanted to take and sell it for the entire country and i believe jason just went over uh about a month ago to talk to a group of individuals about uh, partnering up and selling it within India. Because India has a much larger fatality rate by lightning than anywhere else, I think, in the world. And, and why is that? Just because the sheer, um, I guess, frequent frequency of, of lightning storms? Or? I think the frequency of lightning, and I don't think they have the the coverage, possibly. I don't know, know the full uh, footprint of their their weather system. But they do have a large, uh, large amount of fatalities because of lightning strikes. Got it. And and this, you know, Flash A platform algorithm, you know, however you want to slice it, this is all patent pending. Uh, it's tech, actually patented, it... if I if okay, I remember correctly. Patented. This is already patented. Got it. You can't patent. How, my previous uh, boss, you can't patent something. But you can patent the methodology, I think, behind it. Right, you right. Can't, it gets kind of. That's for the lawyers. Uh, IT, for... it gets a little <laughs> crazy. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally understand. I mean, I was even thinking, too, you know, especially during this conversation, um, even when I'm watching, like, you know, like the uh, the PGA Tour and I'm watching on the broadcast, it's like, you know, there can always be a feature of, of what you guys are offering on the broadcast. Just, you know, if there's, you know, certain weather, weather um, situations developing, you know, that'd be great. You know, that was another idea that I was, you know, I was just thinking of it, just kind of just tying the whole. uh, Jake, maybe with, with this podcast, as it gets out there, the word gets out there, it could evolve into something like that. I think that'd be a great opportunity. Yeah, definitely. 
Jamie, we were just kind of just talking about um, Flash AI and, and its presence on the golf course. And I did see on the Start Engine site that you guys have, um, I guess, you know, you have Columbus Country Club in Columbus, Ohio as a customer. So we're just kind of wondering how that how that started and how that's going. Okay, so um, I have a pretty big footprint in terms of the golf community in central Ohio. And I approached the general manager there and the head pro. And I said, look, I have a product that will be a game changer for your course, not only from, uh, we'll say, a member satisfaction point but also keeping people safe and making you more efficient as an operation. So we had them beta test a new product that we call Flash Alerts. And what that is, it's a combination of multiple, we'll say, um, pieces that we've developed or maybe map levels of different information that we've developed. We kind of summarized it all into one into a text product that we'll send them and what will happen is they will receive an alert about an hour out. So instead of being reactive to a situation, and most courses just have lightning detection. So after that first strike has happened, they're reacting to it. Now, mm -hmm. they'll receive at Columbus Country Club, they'll receive an actual message an hour out. So now proactivity starts. Now um, they're all on alert that within an hour, we're going to have activity in the area. So they'll receive another message in about uh, half an hour from then. And then at the 15 minute mark, they'll receive a message. And this is where they now have the proactivity in motion. Now they're bringing everybody off the course, getting them back to the clubhouse or the halfway house. And they're waiting for the storm to pass. Now in the beginning, I had mentioned that we are lightning prediction of the first strike and last strike. Let me explain how important that last strike is. That's probably more just as important as the first strike. So with the activity moving out, there's this arbitrary 30 minute guidance. I'm not going to call it a 30 minute rule. You're here to call it a rule, but it is guidance. So you've probably been impacted where somebody at a golf course, swimming pool, or outdoor event has told you, we have to wait 30 minutes until after this has passed. I will state this now, there's no scientific basis behind that. There is nothing special about the 28th minute, 29th minute, 30th minute. It's an arbitrary number. It's a made up number from the 70s that has no scientific basis behind it. Now, what we do is we apply science to that. And after the threat has moved out, we say, okay, we're going to buffer it by five minutes. If we have no strikes in the area, if we're not predicting any, and all, all of the other products are in agreement for the next half hour, we will have no activity. We give an all clear. So then the, the course will receive an all clear and it has about a five minute buffer in there. And I'll, I'll admit to that. So they'll send their folks back out. Now, what it's done at the golf course is the members have gotten wind or they've experienced this like, holy crap, you're getting me out 25 minutes quicker than before. Right. And if you've ever been in that situation, it's like a pressure cooker. Everybody's looking out the window thinking, why in the heck can I get back out there? It's safe. What are you, what are you guys looking at? I'm looking at my app on my phone and it shows everything. But again, this arbitrary guidance, not a rule, has been so ingrained into folks that they 
lived with that heartache and heartburn of dealing with that extra time of staying around. Columbus Country Club's getting people out quicker. The members are now not demanding, but they want the app. They said, hey, we can't live without this. Um, we need this. So that 30-minute rule has, it will eventually go out the window. It will be put to rest, hopefully, in the next couple of years with our future technology. Um, now, something else that Columbus Country Club will be doing is another company that we have partnered with, we call them our channel partner. We're doing a revenue share between them. Now, they, that is a, we're strictly software, they are hardware. So what their hardware does is, what's the easiest way to sum this up? It dissipates the, light, the static electricity. Yeah. yeah, so what will happen is a lot of folks um, are led to believe that lightning happens from the cloud and strikes the ground. That's not the case. Um, the ions in the atmosphere are energized, you have, you have electricity basically in the cloud and on the ground, those connect together. Somewhere in the middle, they're gonna meet um, off of the ground. So what this company does, they're called EMP defense, electromagnetic pulse defense. They will deionize the atmosphere is probably the best way to put it. So the lowest level of the atmosphere with this piece of hardware, they will take the ions out. So you put two magnets together, right? They stick, they make that connection, just like lightning. So um, that, that step leader from the cloud and the ground connects together, makes a connection. Now, if you turn that magnet around, it's pretty hard to put together, it's not gonna connect. So if you remove or deionize the lowest level of the atmosphere, you'll never have a connection. So the device that they have, the largest device, it will cover about a 10 acre area, which is pretty large. The radius on it's 393 foot from center. So it's a pretty large footprint. What they're gonna do at Columbus Country Club is they will put one near the clubhouse, which will encompass the tennis courts, some of the pickleball courts, the swimming pool, a good portion of the range and all around the clubhouse. So that will be a protected area. And again, this is something that is a 100% solution. So you'll rarely hear that out of a meteorologist, right, Steve? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Tell the best part. The, the hey, this is 100%. So it, it creates that invisible bubble and eliminates lightning, doesn't allow those connections to take place. So they're gonna put one there and the pro came up, the pro at Columbus Country Club, he said, matter of fact, we're going to put one at the halfway house. The halfway house is a little ways out, you know, yeah. a mile or something away from the clubhouse. And he said, you know, with your software, if I'm getting people in before it happens and I'm getting them out quicker, why would I bring them all the way back to the main clubhouse when I could just have them stay at the halfway house? You know, have a beer, have a drink, have a sandwich or a hot dog or something. Mm -hmm. And then... Once the threat has moved out, then, hey, we're all good. And they'll put a second device out there to protect the halfway house. But this is a 100% solution. There, th This device almost sounds unbelievable. It was unbelievable to me when I first heard about it. And Steve, I told Steve, and we're thinking, wait, we've never heard of this thing. Yeah. And it's and another – It's yeah, go ahead, Jake. And I was, I was going to say, like, what does something like that cost? I mean, it sounds like it's a pretty pricey. Well – I'll tell you what, if you look at the price of what it costs versus the cost of 
insurance on a lightning strike, it's negligible. But, yeah. you know, we're, we're talking 20 grand ish for the okay. largest device. There are smaller devices. Right. But, you know, for a solution like that, it's the absolute way to go. Matter of fact, I'm going to put one on my house at some point since I live not in the lightning capital of South Carolina, but there's quite a bit here. But I'm yeah. going to protect my own home with this. Yeah, that's that's interesting, too. And then so are there other clubs like approaching you guys or getting wind of this and they want in or? Yes. So right now we are word of mouth or did I did I talk about us being word of mouth? Yeah, I think you mentioned it earlier. Yeah. Okay, so that's our advertising right now. We're just word of mouth. And that's tough to get the word out. We did attend the PGA merchandise event in Orlando last month. And to what that that paid big dividends. Um, It allowed us to look a couple different directions with where we could head with the company. But what's interesting about what we do, lightning is the beginning. And with our AI machine learning, you give us any type of data, doesn't matter what type of data, we can add it to our AI machine learning and give you a better product than what the National Weather Service provides. Amen to that. And actually, NASA has approached us and they asked me a question point blank. I was on a call and the the NASA individual said, hey, I know um, you're into lightning and you've infused some AI and machine learning into other products. Could you actually predict CMEs as far as intensity and where the impact will be? And I said, I think I can, but I'll have to ask our resident expert. And I went back to our, our data scientist, um, Dylan, and I said, Dylan, can we do this? And he said, Jamie, you give me any data and I can do a prediction off of it. And I said, well, I think NASA's probably collected many years of CME type data. So I was able to go back to NASA and say, doesn't matter. Yeah, we can do it. So at some point in the future, we could be literally predicting the impacts of a coronal mass ejections, CMEs. Yep. Hey, oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute, Jamie. Didn't those guys all go to the same school we did? Yes, they did. <laughs> but That's uh, awesome. yeah, what we have, we have a product that if we could get the word out there and truly market it the way that everything else in the world is marketed, we would um, change the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, that, that's why I jumped on board. I, I, I'm putting a lot of sweat equity into this because I believe in, the, in this product yeah. uh, with my background in, in meteorology and, and IT. This is this is a no brainer. This is absolutely a no brainer. This is a game changer in the world of meteorology. This will save lives and improve commerce and, uh, you know, make some money for us. Oh, one thing I failed to mention is uh, a question that we get asked. Can this be done anywhere in the world? And the simple answer to that is yes. All we need is the data. We are currently looking at Peru in, in terms of bringing our software to and the channel partner of EMP Defense, um, also India, and uh, over in uh, Germany with the 45th Weather Squadron, I believe it is, 45th or 40th. Now, I can't remember. We've talked quite a few, but but we want to share this with the world, to be honest with you. We want to make it a better place, and we're going to make some money at it, too. Hey, Jamie? Yes. What what is the reasoning that, that India has the largest number of lightning 
fatalities. Did you ever get that information? Yes. So if you look at the demographics and you look at how people are housed over there and people are just exposed, basically, that's the issue. And if they're exposed, then they have a higher incident of a lightning strike. Okay. Thanks. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this all is really exciting. I mean, and you guys are still in the early stages. I mean, when did, when did, Jason really started this, like, you know, a few years ago is really when he, when he, you know, took it off the ground, right? A couple of years. So you got it. I mean, look so, how much you guys accomplished now. And like you said, this is all word of mouth marketing. So it that's is. the goal for this podcast yeah. to try to, you know, extend the platform and give, you know, get your story out there. So this excellent. Was a, Thank this you. was a great talk. Yeah, I really so appreciate it's very much appreciated. Absolutely. Hey, Jay, real quick. So, um, to find where if somebody did want to invest and, you know, become a, a shareholder with us, uh, it's just simply go to www.startengine.com. And if you want to search out the name Flash in there, you'll see Flash Scientific Technology and you'll read all about us. I think I just looked at that and I think we're up to close to half a million in funds raised. And that's been that's been a week, so we've done pretty good in a week. But yeah, we would we would love to have investors. We want to, you know, we really want to help our friends, family, and acquaintances just like this because we have something that we know is going to be not a home run but a grand slam, and we we want to help out everybody. So the little bit you give us, we're going to turn into a lot, hopefully, in the near future. 